What's up, everybody? This is Tanner from TanManBaseballFan.com. Uh, it is a, uh, a nice and cool 49 degrees out here at night while I'm uh, on my walk. I started to walk last night, and I was actually in uh, what's called a comfy, which is like an oversized uh, hoodie. And it looked kind of like I was walking around my neighborhood in a bathrobe, I guess. <laughs> but it was too cold, and so I decided to just kind of... Uh, uh, call it a night before I actually did a podcast and you know, just work on some fun uh, custom stuff. Uh, speaking of customs, I want you to check out uh, my YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Tanman Baseball Fan. I've been posting up some of the uh, projects I've been working on, and I have another one that I'm pretty proud of uh, that's going to be going live if all goes well, knock on wood, tomorrow, uh, and if not, then the next day, but hopefully tomorrow. Um, I'm really excited about it, but it's also going to be a lead into a uh, much grander project, which I'm even more excited about. I don't know when I'm going to get uh, the chance to uh, work on that one and, you know, not just finish it up, but start it up. Uh, it's going to be uh, quite the undertaking, but I look forward to being able to dive in soon. So, uh, a lot of things have been going on in my head. Uh, as far as uh, you know, the podcast goes, uh, this is one episode that I, <laughs> if I were organized, if I were an organized person that had like a set schedule and this, that, and the other, this would definitely be one of those episodes that I would wish that I would uh, have written down and gone from a script. Everything that I say on my podcast is shooting from the hip without any uh, preparation whatsoever. No editing, no nothing, as you know. Yeah, I'm sure you could probably tell. <laughs> it's me talking. If I'm walking and I trip, you hear me trip. Um, if I find a quarter on the ground, you hear me excited about finding a quarter on the ground. That's kind of how it is for me. Every now and then I'll try to press pause if there's, like I think a while ago, uh, there's a police officer that came up to me asking if I had been doorbell ditching or something. I'm like, I'm a 41-year-old man. Why would I be doing that? But uh, So you didn't you didn't catch that part in the podcast uh, a few months ago. So, uh, But I think I did talk about it back then. So, uh, But for tonight, uh, like I said, if, if I ever do go back and write for, read from a script uh, for the podcast, I'm going to redo this one. And I'm going to put my thoughts in order because I think it's worth it. Uh, I'll probably even read from my book, which, by the way, uh, some of this is covered in my book, but I think I'm going to go in depth a little further. We're going to be talking about nostalgia and uh, the way that nostalgia kind of plays out in our collections and the different types of nostalgia that uh, we can uh, that we can feel. And so memories, they're, man, they're just so weird. They're a weird deal. So I went to the gas station and just came back from it. And uh, I remember, uh, you know, uh, or I, I was watching the cashier and I don't know what it is. Like he was counting the the dimes and the quarters and the nickels on the on the uh, desk that the previous customer had left him, and there was something about the way he did it or the configuration of the coins that triggered some sort of a memory, which was like some sort of like a good memory, I guess, of uh, me uh, getting lunch or something when I was a kid. I don't know. It's really weird, and so that's why I'm saying. Memories are a strange thing because there will be some memories I have that I don't even know why they're connected to certain things like baseball cards, 
but they are. I don't know if I'm making any sense. Am I making any sense to you? I don't know. Uh, but that's just how it is for me. <laughs> like there might be some, certain smells that uh, that I uh, associate with other memories, or I, I don't know what it is. It's really kind of strange. And there's also like a lot of memories I have that are kind of like I don't want to say tip of my tongue, but tip of my brain maybe, um, where I know that there's a feeling that's attached to something, but I can't quite reach it. I don't know if that makes sense or not. Maybe, uh, I don't know. know. My memory has been like, uh, is terrible by the way. So I've, (laughs) I have a horrible memory. Maybe that might have something to do with it as well. Need to take some vitamins to, you know, get my memory to, to work out better. Uh, but anyway, it's, uh, back to nostalgia. And I think that kind of fits in with this. Why, why is nostalgia such a strong piece of our hobby? Well, you know, I think it's, uh, especially it's going to hit hard for us, uh, 80s babies. I think, uh, the gen Xers here. Um, and, uh, I think that's, uh, that's mainly because of the baseball card boom in the eighties, the junk wax era. And a lot of people go, Oh man, it's, it was a terrible era because they overproduced everything. And it's like, well, no, it's because, uh, they overproduced everything, uh, that we have, uh, such a resurgence in the hobby today, I think, uh, I think, and I think that can be directly, directly attributed to nostalgia because if it weren't for this massive explosion of, uh, of the baseball card boom of the eighties, we wouldn't have droves of people coming back in the thirties and forties. Um, it was nothing like, uh, the generations before had experienced in the quantity of people, the sheer quantity of people. Now you always hear about all these people that, uh, you know, Oh, my mom threw my cards away. And you know, these are, you know, a lot of times that you hear that kind of story from the baby boomers and, uh, guess what? A lot of the moms from the eighties didn't because they, uh, heard of these stories. And as a result, there's a whole lot more, uh, on top of the fact that a whole lot more eighties cards were produced to begin with, there's a whole lot more. 80s cards that people uh, cared about as far as protecting them and preserving them and everything. So as a result, not too much uh, out there from the 80s is really worth all that much. You know, 80s, like mid 80s to you know, early 90s for the most part. But uh, still, like I said, it's because of this why we have uh, such a huge boom nowadays because of people coming back to the hobby. So, uh, <laughs> a lot of questions I've had, and I've been wrestling with this for years now. Like, uh, why on earth is it that you or me, who got super excited about like a 1988 Topps Don Mattingly, why do we now care about a you know 2021 Don Mattingly one of one? You know, there's where's the nostalgic connection in that, and. Uh, so that's kind of what we're going to explore a little bit tonight. And uh, I think uh, nostalgia actually uh, manifests itself in many ways. So the first way is directly from what you own as a kid. Um, so let's say you have the A7 Tops Rookie Cup Kinseiko. The, uh, the, did I say A6? I meant A7. Oh, I don't remember what I said anymore. But, uh, or the 84 Donruss Don Mattingly which that would have been like a, you know, a big 
uh, you know, big ticket item there, of course, even in the 80s. Uh, or uh, just something like an 86 Tops Gary Carter. Um, you know, so like there are these cards, or even like, you know, think of it this way, uh, a complete set of 88 score. Uh, these little things can trigger, uh, you know, these warm feelings uh, that we have as, as uh, adults from our childhood. And so what do we want to do? Well, we want to go back in there and we want to, you know, recapture our youth and we want to get the cards that we had as kids. And so think of it this way. Let's talk about, for instance, the 85 Fleer Oral Hershiser that was our pride and joy uh, back in the day. You know, it had rounded corners and, uh, you know, maybe a couple of wrinkles and everything. Well, you know, do we want one like that for our, uh, to, you know, kind of satisfy our uh, childhood, um, you know, kind of this connection that we have and nostalgia to, to get back our childhood? No, no, that's not what we want. We normally want something that's nice. So we get a, a near mint or maybe a mint copy. Then we think of this go and go, wow, that was $2. I've got more than $2 to spend on an 85 Fleer uh, Oral Hershiser. Huh, let me take a look and see what the best version of this is. Okay, well, there's an 85 Fleer PSA 10 Oral Hershiser. Huh, PSA 10, that means it's perfect. Yeah, that will satisfy my nostalgic desires. I'm going to get a PSA 10 Oral Hershiser Fleer Rookie. Why stop there? Let's go for an 85 Donners, an 85 Tops. Oh, I heard they've got an 85 Tops Tiffany PSA 10. Ooh, that's a little expensive. So all of a sudden, you see how this progresses. Uh, I do not know, as a disclaimer, I do not know the pricing of PSA 10 Oral Hershiser Rookies, okay? I can guarantee you they're going to be a whole lot more than uh, rock copies, though, for sure. <laughs> Especially the 85 Tops Tiffany. Um, so... Uh, you know, to, to satisfy this nostalgic itch that you have to get back your childhood, you've gone from having, uh, you know, a rounded corner, slightly wrinkled 85 Fleer or Hershiser that's your pride and joy to a perfect copy of that one, as well as a perfect copy of the 85 Donners and the Tops and the 85 Tops Tiffany. And by the way, you're thinking, hmm, I heard about these minor league regional issue uh, Oral Hershiser pre-rookies that were uh, distributed only in, you know, the San Fernando Valley in California in 1983. So I'm going to search for those too. And you find out that they're worth a lot more as well, especially in PSA 10 format. And, you know, there's only five that are known to exist. So you try to network and, you know, get those as well. And then all the while, nobody's stepping back and going, how did I get here? <laughs> Instead, you dig even further and you start thinking, man, I love these cards. I conquered them uh, for a few hundred dollars, but man, look at the cards that they're creating now. Wow, they've got Oral Hershiser autograph cards. There's one of one cards, there's patch cards and this and that and the other. And so they start, uh, you start kind of digging in further and further and further. And, uh, and so all of a sudden you are neck deep in cards that were not just your childhood, uh, you know, fantasy to have, but, uh, you know, cards that didn't even exist back then. And, uh, you know, that's fine. I mean, that's kind of what I did. And 
I'm not saying just because I did swine. I'm just saying that <laughs> that happens to the best of us. And uh, <laughs> and again, I'm not even the best of us. It's just it happens to everyone. Uh, so uh, that's one avenue that you can take to satisfy your your nostalgic desires. It's uh, getting back uh, what you had previously. Uh, another thing to do is uh, getting back uh, what we discarded that we didn't really think of uh, twice uh, as a kid. And we're talking the packaging, the boxes, the wax wrappers, the, the packs, the, uh, you know, the complete sets, all of those things. Um, you know, we might not have uh, cared and still might not care too terribly much for the 88 score set. But if you remember 88 score and you remember the sets, you remember the clean red long box in opening the top. And you also remember seeing uh, the color uh, separations in bricks. They had the green, the orange, uh, the purple, the blue, uh, I mean, just, you know, beautiful, the red, I mean, it's, you know, beautiful colors that were just sitting there all, uh, all color collated inside a factory set, you know, or you might remember the beautiful uh, 89 Donner's box it was yellow and, you know, inside you had the purple and blue wax wrappers. And uh, so that's another uh, way that we kind of try to satisfy our nostalgic itch is to get back these uh, pieces um, that, uh, you know, that we kind of threw away as kids, but they mean a lot to us. At least that's kind of part of where I'm at right now, actually, is that I love being able to uh, sit back and think about all of these, uh, all of these packs and the, the packaging. And I also, a while ago, I picked up some uh, display cases of uh, 87... 88 and 89 Donners, if I remember correctly. Uh, beautiful uh, display uh, pieces. I, I you know, sold them long ago, but it was fun to have them while I did. Um, and of course, you know, if you want to get real sick, then you've got people that kind of go into the, uh, you know, getting the, uh, the cello packs and the rack packs that have like the stars and the rookies on top and everything. And uh, or their favorite players on top, and so they try to get a run of those. And uh, there's a guy I'm trying to remember what his name is. Uh, there's somebody that was uh, big into Ryan Sandberg, but he was a super collector, but only for Ryan Sandberg cards that were showing on the tops of uh, wax, cello, and rack packs, which was just like <laughs> super fun. I love hearing about these little specialized collections. Um, so that was the way that he did it, like just trying to recapture the feeling of going to the grocery store and saying, okay, let's, let's get a grocery pack or something. And because uh, they had all kinds of different flavors of packs, not just wax, cello, and wrap. There's all kinds of different other ones also. Uh, but anyways, going there and the excitement of seeing your favorite player on top, realizing, okay, that's the pack for me. And then debating, do I really want to open this? Well, there might be a Griffey in the back, but gosh, my guy is on top. This is fun. This is cool, you know. <laughs> and so that's another thing, you know. So that's another way of kind of digging deep. And then, you know, the hobby has its hooks in you, and you you go further and further and further, and you go, wait a second, they start, you know, they've graded, they grade actual packs. Well, what if I can get a perfect example of, uh, you know, an '83 tops 
uh, Tony Gwynn on top of a, a cello pack or something, you know, so <laughs> it gets it gets worse and worse there. So uh, all downhill from there, as they say, I guess, right? Um, so the next piece that I, that I was thinking about, which is uh, really kind of an interesting component, and I think this is where it could be the biggest money suck for us. Uh, that is the nostalgia connection of what we wanted but never could have as a child. Now, this kind of rings very uh, true for me. It hits hard for me as well. <laughs> we didn't really have a whole lot of money growing up. And uh, I was never I was never someone that was like, oh, man, I wish we had more. I wish I had this, that, and the other. I just wasn't that way. I was uh, super satisfied with, you know, what I had and, you know, thankful for what I had. But the running joke is whenever we see a, a, a toy from the 80s or we talk about it, like Holly and I talk about it or whatever, the running joke is, is she would say, oh, I used to have that. And I would say, oh, yeah, I had a friend that used to have that. Because <laughs> I didn't really have any of these toys, but my friends did. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's so many, and don't get me wrong, I had some toys, but, you know, like uh, my friends had the pound puppies. I had uh, an off-brand pound puppy. My friends had Legos. I had an off-brand Lego, which again, you know, <laughs> I'm not, uh, I'm not, you know, uh, discounting that at all. But it's just kind of a, kind of, kind of a funny thing to kind of segue into this, uh, into this uh, story that I'm telling you here. But uh, Pogo Ball, Pogo Ball Blaster, um, that was actually one thing that I did have is I had a Pogo Ball Blaster, which I was really excited about. But um, anyways, like all kinds of these. Uh, these toys that uh, that were out there and I didn't really have too terribly much of them but uh, it's one of those things same that would you know kind of uh, go in with uh, baseball cards as well where I think all of us felt this right because we go uh, get a copy of tough stuff or Beckett magazine we see like a you know 52 tops mantle on the front or you know 33 Gaudy Babe Ruth or a T206 Cobb or something like that. And you see all these amazing cards that, you know, not only could we not afford as kids, but most of us can't really afford them now, um, especially because they're getting so dang expensive. But uh, in any event, uh, we have this nostalgic feel where maybe it doesn't, you know, ring true just for the 52 Tops Mantle and 33 Gowdy Ruth and T206 Cobb, but perhaps also for... Uh, um, you know, maybe like an 80 tops Ricky Henderson or maybe a 75 tops George Brett or uh, 68 tops Nolan Ryan. Even that's like a higher end card. Um, but, you know, some of these cards that were just out of reach or way out of reach for us as kids, they might be obtainable now for us. So, you know, we, we get these cards and we kind of, you know, trying to you know, satisfy this desire that we had as a kid um, to get them. And, uh, you know, it's really kind of an interesting way how the brain works. And, uh, <laughs> you know, because like, I think I've, I've uh, fallen down many, many, many rabbit holes doing this myself. And uh, I, I, it's kind of funny to step back and, you know, see myself kind of how to do this because I ultimately uh, think that I uh, try to dig in deeper and deeper and deeper, no matter which way I go. So let's say for instance, uh, with the first one obviously is a no-brainer you know this with Kinseiko stuff um, when I first went in I was thinking okay it'll be cool to get uh, you know one of every playing you know day or playing career card of Kinseiko and then 
it's like or maybe just when i was uh, collecting that's really kind of where i started off with the uh, first goal i had ever as an adult for baseball cards was to get a complete set of every card uh, from uh, my birth year 1980 to uh, when i stopped collecting basically 93 ish and I was thinking maybe even 92 because that's when I was like really, really, really heavy into it. Um, but uh, I think I was actually collecting even up to 94, really, if I'm being honest. But, uh, but anyway, so uh, I start uh, buying these sets and I'm excited because, you know, the prices are low for the most part. You know, of course, you have some that are more expensive, 80 tops, 82 tops traded, um, 84 FLIR update, uh, so on and so forth. But A7 tops, 88 score, A9 Fleer, $90. All these are like dirt cheap now, <laughs> especially compared to the prices from uh, when I was a kid. And especially because now I have, um, you know, actual money as an adult when I didn't as a kid. Uh, so I started thinking, well, man, this is kind of easy. Well, I'm going to get the traded sets, the update sets, the rookie sets. And then I started thinking, I should probably get the box sets too, the regional issues, the... Toys R Us, the Kmart, all of those. And I go, hmm. So that's just one way that I continually uh, dug in deeper and deeper until I burned myself out and sold everything. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's kind of funny. So then I get into Conseco cards, and it's not just his playing career cards. All of a sudden, I start wanting everything. I dig in, and I start getting other, you know, non-baseball card items as well, and just like uh, all kinds of crazy stuff. And I start digging and digging and digging deeper and deeper and deeper. I've got photographs of him uh, from, uh, you know, his personal life and this, that, and the other. And, uh, you know, I've got a you know, birth announcement from uh, when he had his daughter and, you know, all these other weird things. And, uh, <laughs> and so it's like, wow, wait a second. All of this because I love this guy to death when he was playing when I was a kid. Well, that's, that's how it went. That's how it went for me. So... Uh, later on, I end up saying, I want to get some uh, wax box because that's where the nostalgia connection is for me. I would love to be able to just sift through some packs of uh, A7 Fleer or something and relive the, the glory days, so to speak, you know. <laughs> and uh, when I say glory days, I kind of say that tongue in cheek. I've said this story before. Uh, I'll probably say it many, many times again. It's the one time my dad uh, bought a pack of A7 Fleer for seven bucks and uh, Opened it up like a boss in front of everybody uh, at the at the card shop, uh, laying down one card at a time across the the display case like a lot of the uh, big shots do. And man, nope, got nothing. The best card was probably the sticker. And let me tell you, that stung because uh, we did not have seven dollars to spend, and <laughs> it was uh, it was quite the expensive endeavor. But uh, but in any event. Uh, being able to do that, that's another nostalgia piece there. Wow, I could get a box of those now and open them and see. And by the way, I still have not opened a box of A7 Fleer before. Uh, not even now. But going into collecting uh, the boxes, my, my whole thought was like, huh, I'd like to get a sealed box of every single uh, set from 1980 all the way to like 92 or 93. Um, but they should all be from a sealed case and BBC authenticated. And so it wasn't about just getting a couple packs and being excited and satisfied with that. No, I was trying to get everything. So it, it's kind of funny how uh, 
and, and, and listen, this might just be a me thing. Maybe this isn't for everybody. Maybe this isn't how everybody else's brains operate. Um, but I do know that's how it is for me. It was those three main uh, nostalgic triggers. The trigger of what I used to have, the packaging that of what I used to have that came in, and what I used to want. And uh, so those were kind of the three uh, things that hooked me and got their their claws into me and, and you know brought me in deeper and deeper. So uh, and hey, listen, I'm enjoying the ride. I love this. I think it's great. I think it's a blast. Uh, obviously, I'm going to tell you what I've been saying over the past couple of years on this podcast. Um, you know, feel free to you know kind of ride the wave, so to speak, and and enjoy this so long as it doesn't uh, overtake your your budget and your finances and all that and and uh, you know be put on top of uh, your adult commitments as far as bills and you know family and that sort of thing. So. Uh, and also find a way to, you know, hopefully try and make some money in this hobby. It's a great hobby to be able to do that with. Um, so anyway, in saying that, gosh, it's uh, it's fun. It's a great way to live, uh, relive memories as a kid. Um, and if you want to stop, if you have the ability to stop at just buying what you had as a kid and then walking away from, from it and not going the PSA 10 route and you know, going after the things like all the, you know, boxes and sets from the sealed case and that and the other, more power to you. If you're excited about just having a couple loose packs of 1991 Donruss on your desk and a pile of 1990 Leaf Commons, more power to you. That is great because it's still fun memories and it's not going to cost you much and it's just it's just fun to look through to really kind of enjoy and savor each and every card and hopefully pick up a few memories and I'll give you an example this is kind of fun uh you know Holly came into the office uh probably about three or four nights ago and I was up you know I don't know I was doing probably working on a custom project or something and she said hmm uh we should clean your office i go i don't want to clean my office because you're gonna uh, just be upset talking about or complaining about all the junk i have in here <laughs> she goes she goes no 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 and i said you know what why don't we just go to bed and she goes no no i think we should clean your office i go okay fine let's clean my office <laughs> and so we're cleaning the office and uh she's actually taking interest in the baseball stuff i have and uh, and so I'm telling her about some of them. She looks at the Billy Sunday card and she's like, oh yeah, this is my favorite one. And she said, you know what you should do, Tanner? You should get more Billy Sunday cards. I go, okay, that's cool. That's great. She goes, what about that one-armed guy? And I go, huh, one-armed guy? What, Jim Abbott? She's like, oh, I don't know. I guess that's his name. I'm not sure. And uh, I think she remembers uh, Jim Abbott because of the stories I told about him. Um, and I don't know if I've shared this before. I don't know if you've heard these before, uh, but Jim Abbott, obviously, you know, he was a you know really good pitcher. Um, so much so that he actually pitched a no hitter uh, for the Yankees, if I remember correctly, in '96 maybe, uh, which is absolutely phenomenal. But I think one of the stories that really kind of that was icing on the cake, of course. But 
uh, one of the stories that re that really kind of resonated with me was this uh, young man, Jim Abbott, who comes out, I believe it was his first uh, Major League Baseball game, or maybe it was a game in college or something. I think he came out of Michigan or something. But So I don't remember which one, but I remember reading this article where, you know, this, this kid is sitting there, on, is standing there on the, on the mound pitching, and he's got one arm. And uh, the first 10 batters he faces bunted on him. And if I remember correctly, he threw out all of them or all of them but one. And I was thinking, man, what an amazing story. What, a, what an inspiration. What an incredible, incredible thing. So Holly said, you know, you should collect Jim Abbott cards. I go, man, the last thing I need is for my wife to actually tell me what to collect because I will go all in. I will PSA 10 the heck out of all of his stuff and, and you know, look for his one-of-ones and all that. And I do not want to be about that. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I, I started looking around. She goes, she goes, what cards do you have of his? I was like, it's like I don't think I have any Jim Abbott cards. And I go, well, you know what? I said, you know, it's funny. And I pointed over to this pile of 90 Donruss on my desk. I said, you know what? There's like legit a one in six chance that there's a Jim Abbott baseball card in that, in that pile. And I started, I started laughing and... I go back to the clean. She goes, look. I go, what? She said, look through the pile. I'm like, okay. So I start going through this pile. I'm going through like the, the Diamond Kings I have of there in there of Dave Stewart. And uh, <laughs> I don't even remember who else was in there. Howard Johnson. And then there was like a Todd Zeal rated rookie. And I'm just thinking, man, these cards are worthless, but they are awesome. <laughs> I love them so much. I've got the, the pile still in my office now, and there's like Todd Zeal is, is loud and proud and on the top with his red borders and everything, you know, the Ray Rookie uh, logo and everything. So I start going through these, uh, these cards one at a time, and I don't know about you, but like I could probably look through 10 cards a second and, uh, <laughs> and figure out what's what uh, by doing that. And so as I'm going through them, I stop and I go, huh. I think I have one. So I pull it out. I go, here you go. Jim Abbott, 1990 Donruss. And I was, at that point, I was like really excited for some reason. You know, <laughs> over a card that I didn't really care about uh, at all uh, two seconds before. And, uh, but all of a sudden this card is like here and Holly's like really excited about, it. oh cool, it's a Jim Abbott baseball card. And yeah, it's worth a penny, but still, you know, whatever. And so I go, hey, that's pretty cool. I start to put the card back in the pile. And she goes, what are you doing? And I go, what do you mean? She said, put it in a holder and display it. I go, well, uh, okay. She goes, yeah. So I start, I reach for a top layer. She goes, no, put it in a one touch. <laughs> and so I start laughing. Go, are you sure? She goes, yeah, put it in one touch. I go, okay. So I put it in a one touch and she goes, I want it to be uh, displayed at the top of your desk there. So now I have a <laughs> quite possibly the world's only 1990 Donruss Jim Abbott displayed in a one touch. And, uh, <laughs> and I love it. You know, I think it's, uh, it's great because it's a fun little story that Holly and I have together of nothing really of her just saying, Hey, look for a Jim Abbott card in this pile of 1990 Donruss. 
look for the, this card that has that you have memories attached to in this pile of nostalgia tanner that's kind of how i saw it and it was just like a great thing i think i told her probably three or four times and i was like man that was a great night i just enjoyed it that was great we should clean my office more often you know <laughs> it was it was fun it was fun to be able to hang out with her and uh, talk some baseball stuff where I wasn't trying to get her to fall asleep uh, <laughs> or anything at all so it was good stuff but yeah memories man nostalgia like it's weird it's that uh, it's really weird how it's it's very instrumental in this hobby and probably ultimately to be honest with you the growth of our hobby um, but either way I'm thankful for it uh, I love it it's fun it's a blast and whether it's a 52 tops mantle or a 90 Donruss Jim Abbott, you know, there's uh, there's all kinds of uh, fun memories that can be unlocked, whether you have like, you know, $50,000 or, you know, five cents to spend. There's like room for anybody and everybody in all uh, budgets uh, around uh, when it comes to collecting baseball cards. So uh, anyways, great stuff. Thank you as always for listening to me, uh, Jibber Jabber here on uh, Baseball Cards and uh, hope you all have a great rest of the night.